Here we are. Record. Okay. The parashiyot of Vayakel Pekudei. Vayakel Pekudei are a kind of a repeat of Truma and Tetzave. You understand that the order of the parashiyot at the end of the book of Shemot is Truma Tetzave Kitisa, which is the parasha about the Egel Azahav, Vayakel and Pekudei, which is a repeat of Truma and Tetzave, more or less. Now, in this parasha, in the parasha, if you look at, um, just one second. If you look at the second page, let's start with the second page at the top of the page. It says, Vayase takiyor nechoshet. The, the people who did things, that was B'tzalel and Ahali of, B'tzalel and Ahali of, they were the builders, right, the planners and the builders of the Beit HaMikdash, overseen by Moshe Rabbeinu. It says in the Pasuk, in our parasha, B'yaset HaKiyor Nechoshet. They made the Kiyor out of Nechoshet. Nechoshet is copper or bronze. Uh, the relationship between copper and bronze is that copper comes out of the ground and bronze is an alloy. It means you mix the copper with other kinds of garbage in order to make it strong because copper by itself is kind of weak. You can bend it very easily. So when you build something out of copper, it's always going to have an alloy in it, like another metal to make it strong. That's why in, if you look up the word nechoshet in the dictionary, it'll say copper or bronze or both. Right? Because copper and bronze are kind of really the same thing. Copper is what comes out of the ground, and bronze is what you can use to build things with. So vayasat ha-kiyor nechoshet, as directed, they made this kior. A kior is a, is a wash basin, a large wash basin. Bet kano nechoshet. So a kior and kano, a kior is like a basin. And the kano is usually described as being like a little basin turned upside down. So that it didn't stand on legs, but it stood on something that looked like a miniature of itself. And that's the that's Kano, but it's made in two pieces. It's made in two pieces. There's the Kior, the thing that holds the water, and there's the thing it stands on, which is like an upside-down version of the Kior, but a smaller upside-down version. And then you have the strange words in the Pasuk. Bimarot, Hatsovot, the word ma'ot means mirrors, I guess. I mean, like, I'm not 100% sure, but let's say it means mirrors. Tzovot, I don't know what that means. Tzovot could mean the, people, the women who collected themselves around the, this place where they were supposed to give their contribution. Asher tzavu petach so if it refers to the women who had these mirrors 
that were made out of copper, I guess. You know, if you don't have a glass mirror, you might have a copper mirror. And they brought the copper mirrors, which were made of nechoshet, as a donation to this, uh, to this enterprise. And the enterprise was making the kior. That was the enterprise. So Rashi says a most interesting thing. I mean, it's someplace in Chazal, but he repeats it. This is what Rashi says. Benot Yisrael ayubi adan mar'ot. The Jewish women had mirrors. Shero'ot bahen kishahem mitkashkot. And they would use the mirrors when they were dressing themselves up. Right? Mitkashet is... Uh, um, you know, a lot of extra stuff that you put on when you are getting dressed. And you want to see how it sits. So you look at a mirror. And Rashi says, even those mirrors were not, uh, uh, they did not prevent bringing those mirrors, even though the mirrors were used for a kind of a, a less than perfectly sacred enterprise, which was that the women wanted to look good. I mean, that's not sacred. Uh, and Moshe Rabbeinu said, Ugh, how can we use those mirrors to build the holy Kiyor? Because after all, this is done in order to attract the Yetzahara in men, I guess. Omar lo HaKadosh Baruch Hu HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu Tabel said Moshe take those mirrors it's just what you're looking for Ki Eilu Chavivin Allah Min HaKol HaKadosh Baruch Hu says I Tavyocho love these mirrors more than anything else that has been donated to the Beit HaMikdash because if not for the mirrors, and if not for the women beautifying themselves, then there wouldn't have been any children born in Mitzrayim. Because everybody was very uh, distraught and, and frustrated and uh, didn't see the future to things. So the women had to convince the men that, uh, that having children was a worthy enterprise. When the husbands would come home at night, worn out and tired, so the women would bring them, uh, I guess, not TV dinners, not Tivol, but real fancy, a real fancy uh, setup. And they would feed these, these men and they would take the mirrors and everybody would like see how they looked with their husbands in the, in the mirror and she would try to entice him with words I look better than you she would say and this is how the women ensured that there would be a next generation. They would live together and she would get pregnant, etc. 
So, here you have a crisis. Like there's a crisis of, of uh, donations. If somebody donates money, and you find out that he's not a nice person. So what do you do? You keep the money, and you say, the money has no connection to the person, you know, like, uh, who knows what he was a bad person, but he robbed the bank, did he rob this money? Or is this the money he made by investing, the money that he robbed? You know, like these kinds of questions come up from time to time. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, look, we need the copper. We need copper, but we don't need copper that was used for the Yetzer Hara. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe Rabbeinu, no, you're wrong. This case, the Yetzer Hara, was used in a proper way. And the existence of the community called B'nai Yisrael depended on the women doing these things. And so the Pasuk says, this is all according to Rashi, the Pasuk says, Vayaset ha-kiyo nechoshet v'etkano nechoshet b'marot ha-tsovot asher tzavu petach o-moed. Why did the Torah emphasize that these, this copper that they brought was was were the mirrors that they used to salvate these women who came to the OMOA and brought these copper mirrors. Why does the Torah say all of that? Because there's some sort of a lesson here. That good and bad is not always so obvious. Even Moshe Rabbeinu, who thought that this represented some terrible weakness that women had. In fact, the Kodesh Baruch said to them, no, what seems to you to be a weakness was at that time a great strength that the women had in which they were able to overcome the distress and the frustration of their husbands who didn't want to have any children, any children in Egypt. So we see that in the story of the Kior, there's a subtext. There's a story within the story. And the story within the story is about it's about the Marot Hatsovot. Now, what was this Kiyor? What was this Kiyor? Look back in the first page. What was the Kiyor exactly in the Mishkan or in the Beit HaMikdash? So the Psukim say the first thought. By the way, these Psukim that I'm about to read are found in the parasha called Kitisa. What did I tell you before? that where is the Mishkan and the Kalim? Where are they found? The Kalim, the Kalei Mishkan, are first found in Truma, and then repeated again in Pekude. Right, these two parashiyot, the four parashiyot sort of go together. But two, but the Kli that's called... <coughs> the summer is coming. For those of you who are not aware, the summer is coming. Some people get the arthritis in the knees. I sneeze. Now look, I don't know what's worse, but you don't have to wipe your knees off. You have to keep wiping your nose all the time. So the Kiyor, the story of building the Kiyor is found in the parish of Kitisa. It's like, a, it's like an after the fact, after discussing all the Kalim and the Beit HaMikdash and the parish of Truma, the Torah suddenly realizes that it left out some. One of the things that was left out was the Kior. So the Kior is discussed and says, Vasita, Kior, Nechoshe, Nechanon, Nechoshe, 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 N
ונתת אותה בין אור מועד ובין המזבח, ונתת שם מים. יד הכיור, you put the kiyor between the old moed and the mizbech. If you look at the second page or the third page, you see a picture at the bottom half of the page. You see the mizbech is at the bottom. You see the mizbech at the bottom. This is the Beit HaMikdash. This is a picture of the Beit HaMikdash, not a picture of the Mishkan. And I'll tell you why I put a picture of the Beit HaMikdash shortly. But you see the mizbech, it's at the bottom of the page, right above the words Ezrat Kohanim. It's a little confusing because Ezra, that thing above the words Ezrat Kohanim is not the Ezrat Kohanim, it's the Beit, it's the Mizbeach. And between the Beit, the Mizbeach, and the Kodesh Kodeshim is a space. In that space it says the words Yam Nechoshet. But we're not interested in the Yam Nechoshet yet. But in that, play, in that empty space where there is nothing in the picture was the Kiyor. The Kiyor was between the Mizbech and between the Kodesh Kodeshim. Right? So the Kiyor, the Kiyor was there. Back to our Pesukim, Pesuk Yutet. And what's they doing there? Because it's there in order that Aaron and his son should be able to wash before they do whatever they're supposed to do. Now what do they wash? What do they wash? Their hands and their feet. In fact, uh, in fact, Pasuk Kaf Aleph, well, Pasuk Kaf, this is a pretty serious matter. If they don't wash their hands and their feet before they do the Avodah, the Beit HaMikdash, then they will die. Or when they go to the Mizbeach to give a sacrifice. Then they have to wash their hands and their feet. So even though this pasuk is written about, written about the Mishkan that was built in the desert, it applies forever. It applies forever even in the Beit HaMikdash. So in the Beit HaMikdash, before the Kohanim do the Avodah in the Beit HaMikdash, they have to wash their hands and their uh, they have to wash their hands and their feet. If you look at the Rashi and Pasuk Yutet, Rashi Pasuk Yutet, Eti Deim Edraglehem Bevat Achat, Hayam Ekadesh Yadavir Aglo, Kachshanina Bizvachim, this is what it says in the Gemara, Ketzad Kiddush Yadayim Lirigregleim, how does he do it? Maniach Yadoh Yemanit Al Gabay Raglo Hayemanit, like you pick up your foot with your hand. You hold your foot in your hand. Here's your hand, here's your foot. You hold your foot in your hand and you open the spigot on the, uh, is that a word in English? Spout, spigot? Well, you open it up and out comes water. And the water covers your hand and your foot at the same time. And then you close it and pick up your other foot with your other hand. The right foot with the right hand and the left foot with the left hand. And that's how you wash that's how you wash. Okay? Now, back to the beginning of the Rashi. What's a kiyor? Kamin dud gedola. Kamin dud gedola. It's a large container for water. The ladadin, and it has spouts. Hamarikim befiyamayim. Like kano. What is kano called the Rashi? Kitagumov v'sisei. It's the foundation, right? The thing that holds it up and it's not on the ground, because if it was on the ground, 
then you, you would have trouble washing. You have to raise it up so the water will pour down on your hand and your foot. And it can't be... Uh, so this is, uh, this is what the Torah tells us to do. Now what's unclear about all of this, right, from the halachic point of view, is what is the kiyor, say, in comparison to the shulchan, or the menorah, or the mizbeach hazahav? How does the kiyor fit in? So generally speaking, most of the commentators, including the mitziv, in his commentary, which is fairly recent, right? most of the commentators agree most commentators that the kiyor was used for making the kohen appropriate for avodah. But it not, in itself, it was not part of the avodah. It was the main thing was that the kohen, that the kohen should... Um, should wash his hands and his feet before he goes to do anything in the Beit HaMikdash. But it doesn't really matter how he did it. It's just that in the Beit HaMikdash, as in the desert, it was a little hard to get water. I mean, you couldn't just open a, you know, a barrage and out would come water. It was more like modern-day Israel, where you open the barrage and you get a bill. But uh, it's, it was not like that in the desert. I mean, there wasn't water, so you had to bring water to the Beit HaMikdash. In fact, in fact, another proof that we're not talking about a cleave, the Beit HaMikdash, of a vessel, is that everybody knows, if you're ever in the Chidon Tanakh, you know that Shlomo HaMelech built ten kiorim. Ten. And if you look at page three, you see that picture on page three in that space, which is empty here, right, there's an empty space. And said, how many did he actually build? Uh, here. You see Devraya Mimbet on page two. Devraya Mimbet Pasuk, Paragdala Pasuk Vav. You see that Pasuk, it's a third source on the second page. Vayas Kiyorim Asara. Moshe Rabbeinu made ten, I mean, Shlomo HaMelech made ten of them. It's probably true, as they draw, as it's, it's uh, suspected, it's probably true that they would, but that Shlomo Melch had made ten kiyorim. Plus, he had the kiyor from the Mishkan, which he put in the middle. So five on this side, five on that side, and the old original one that Moshe Rabbeinu made, he put in the middle. So how much does that make? How many kiorim were there? There were eleven. There were eleven kiorim. Why, why were there so many kiorim? Why were there so many kiorim? I guess because there were a lot more kohanim. At the time of the Mishkan, there was Haron. And then his sons, he had four sons, two of them died, then two other sons. And it was during the 40 years that they were in the desert, the number of Kohanim were very, was very small. And therefore, the Kiyor was sufficient by the time Shlomo HaMelech built, built the, uh, the Beit HaMikdash. It wasn't enough. Just one Kiyor, because you had to fill it up. You had to fill up the Kiyor. 
and, and, and you couldn't just keep filling it up. There was an enterprise to fill up the kiyot. So they had to have enough water on hand after they filled up all these cisterns with water to take care of all the kohanim that they had. Remember the kohanim would open the spout, grab their right foot and their right hand, their left foot and their left hand, and they would use up water. It wasn't like the most efficient way, the most efficient way to do it. So Shlomo Amalek solved the problem by building 10 extra, extra kiorim. But he didn't only build 10 extra kiorim, Shlomo HaMelech also built a yam. What a yam is? A yam is a sea. S-E-A. Sea, like an ocean. A yam. He built a yam. And that yam served as a mikveh for the Kohanim. And this is what the yam might have looked like. If you looked on page 3, there's a yam. I mean, you see those animals? See those animals? They're not real. They're made out of bronze. They're made out of nechoshet, right? We said nechoshet is copper or bronze. Right, the Chodesh is copper or bronze, they're made out of but it couldn't be copper because they couldn't hold all that weight. This big thing, which was a big thing, which by the way, by the way, the Pasuk is indicative. Look at the Pasuk. Look at the Pasuk. You see the second source on the second page? The Pasuk says, Vayaset Hayam Mutzak. Mutzak. He made it round, and it was ten from one side to the other. Right, it'll go around, right? From one end to the other. Again, how much was it? Ten. And how much was it all around? It says in the Pasuk, the Kapshloshim Bahama Vesalotosaviv. So, of course, it was noticed many, many years ago that uh, if what the Pasuk is referring to is pi, remember pi? To say that pi is three is a pretty poor estimate. This is one of the arguments, one of the arguments that is more that, you know, the Jews, or the day Israel in, uh, in Eretz Yisrael, the time of Shlomo Melech, were not concerned so much about mathematics. That wasn't their area. They were doing Gemara, Rashi, and Tosot. Right? So people who do Gemara, Rashi, and Tosot are often not stars in mathematics. So here you have an indication that because in Babylonian times, right, the parallel times in the world where they uh, understood uh, they had a much more precise uh, way of noting pi. I mean, today we know that it's an endless fraction. It just goes on forever. But you could stop. You have to go on forever. It becomes like impractical to add digits after a while. But everybody would agree it's not three. Three would give you a kind of a pretty, like, like a, what do you call that kind of a shape? An egg shape. But yeah, more like an ellipse. It wouldn't be good. But that's the pursuit. So listen, what, but this doesn't, is not our topic. This is an aside. So he says, 
עומד פסוק כ"ה, עומד על שני עשר בקר, שלושה פונים צפונה, שלושה פונים ימה, שלושים פונים נגבה, שלושים פונים מזרחה, ו-12 אקסן, holding up this ים. And they, the oxen are in four sides, like three on each side, that makes twelve. And they're all facing out, right? The rear ends of the animals are inside, holding up, holding up the yam. Bat Yachil. I don't know how much Alpine Bat is exactly, but it's big. It's a very big, uh, big thing. Why did Why did Shlomo Amelach do that? Because, because apparently, besides Kiddush Yadayim Radlayim, besides preparing yourself for specific Avodah in the Beit Hamikdash, after all, the Kiyor was in the Beit Hamikdash. In order to go into the Beit HaMikdash, or to get there, you had to go to the Mikveh. Now, believe it or not, to find the Mikveh in Yushalayim, on the top of the mountain where the Beit HaMikdash was, was not an easy thing. And the Halacha, and the Halacha, the, the, the people ask, well, how could it be a Mikveh? A Mikveh has to be Mayim Chayim, which, which means, whatever it means, but it's not water that's drawn and then brought pail by pail into the yam. That's not what a mikveh is. A mikveh has got to be mayim chayim. Mayim chayim is water that either springs from the ground, which probably in Harabayat uh, they didn't have, or water that gets there in some kind of a special way. Uh, for example, if you get there is ice. Ice is not considered, or snow is not considered to be mayim she'uvim. It's not considered to be the kind of water that you can't use for a, for a mikveh. Uh, so how'd they get it there? Uh, we don't know. We don't know, but we, we understand. I mean, there are suggestions, but it doesn't matter. What matters to me is that by the time of Shlomo HaMelech, the idea of tara in a mikveh for the Kohanim became an issue. And therefore, Shlomo HaMelech had to build another vessel called a yam, which would serve the Kohanim as a mikveh. Now, we know that the Kohanim needed a mikveh from the Mishnayot in Yoma that describe what the Kohen Gadol did on the day of Yom HaKippurim. And the first thing that he did was go up to the Beit Avtinas where there was a mikveh. There was a mikveh built, but that's, of course, by Sheni. That's by Shani, they built a mikveh nearby, and they somehow kept that mikveh going for Yom HaKippurim. But uh, uh, by the time of Shlomo HaMelech, they didn't have that mikveh. They had the yam that Shlomo HaMelech built. Why he built it in such a state-of-the-art manner, and such a, uh, I mean, unreasonable kind of way, like that, these oxen, I mean, it's the same model as the Kiyor. The Kiyor is a container, and it's on a base. And someone else put the container, called a yam, and he put it on the base, but this time the base was statues of 12, of 12 oxen. Now, why he chose 12? I guess oxen is good, you know. If you, 
if you like live in a world with a lot of animals walking around, then oxen are strong and they can probably hold up the yam. But again, I don't understand exactly what it what it means. Now, one more one more pasuk before we look at the Ramban. This is on page one, Perakavzayim pasuk bet. Here they're talking about, the Torah is talking about building the Mizbeach HaZahav, the little Mizbeach. It says, Vasita Karnotav, on the, a Karen is a corner. Karen is a corner. I mean, how exactly this corner looked, whether it was upright or, or lying down, we don't know so well. Let's say it was upright. Vasita Karnotav Alabapinotav, Mimenu Tiyena Karnotav, that in each corner, each corner of the Mizbeach, there was a keren. There was a, uh, there was a corner. It wasn't flat. Something, something was there. And he says, those corners with sipita oto nechoshet. And so you should, the corners should be covered with, again, with nechoshet. Rashi says, in an unexpected comment, you see that Rashi? Tzibita Otel Nechoshet. Lechaper alazut netzach. Why do you need Nechoshet, that little bit of Nechoshet, on the corners, on the Mizbeach HaZahab, that's in the Kodesh Kodeshim? So Rashi says, Nechoshet, Lechaper alazut netzach. What is azut netzach? Chutzpah. Azut netzach. And so if you put that together with other things in Chazal, like Nechoshet is the Nechash, and it was the first time that, that the that Odom, it was the time Odom Arisha and Chava took a stand against God, that's Chutzpah. That's Azut Metzach. So when you put the Nechoshet on the Mizbeach, it's Lechaper al Azut Metzach. In other words, each one of us uh, retains a little bit of that quality that Odom Harishon could not uh, rule over. He was not able to uh, uh, to create a world in which his own chutzpah did not dominate himself. It did not dominate. So we, we inherited that. And therefore it's important that the Nechoshet should be put on the uh, on the corners of the Mizbeach in order in order that there should be kaparat tolmid for our chutzpah the chutzah that we have all the time, and we, even the Kohanim, when they go into the Beit HaMikdash, they take this chutzpah in there with them. So you have these ideas, right? There's a kior, and the kior is kano, it's full of water, and that's water for kidush yadayim raglayim. That's what it says in the pasuk. Sanctifying hands and feet. Besides that, in order to accommodate all the Kohanim, Shlomo HaMelch built ten more of them. Not only the one that, that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, they inherited from Moshe Rabbeinu, and that's an indication that, it's an indication that the, uh, the kior was not a kli, but it was a, um, it was a means to an end. Right? It wasn't a kli, because if it was a kli, then there could only be one of them. That God told Moshe Rabbeinu, make a kior, and that's it. Shlomo Melech wouldn't have been able to add ten more. But it wasn't that kind of a clea. It was rather that uh, the Kohanim had to wash their hands and their feet when they did the Avodah, the Beit HaMikdash, so they needed water. 
So the Kiyar that Moshe Rabbeinu built was sufficient for the Kohanim that would come in his time. But it was not sufficient for the Kohanim in the time of Shlomo, in the time of Shlomo Hamela. So now, and then you have the side point that Rashi brings up about Chutzpah, that Azut Metzach, that Nechoshet, is somehow a reminder of the Chutzpah of B'nai Yisrael, and you need some form of Tapara, so it was put on the Mizbech. Let's look at the Ramban. The Ramban refers to Pasuk 19 at the top. Remember, before they do the avoda on the Beit Hamikdash, they have to wash their hands and their feet. Look at the at the Rambat. Rachatzu, like the second thing on the page. Harachitza hazo derech kavod shemamala. The Rambat said, "This is this is the proper thing to do before you go to somebody's house, before you go into a place which is someone else's." So you wash your hands and your feet. We know that from Adam Avinu and from the angels, that washing your hands and your feet was not an uncommon practice. And the Ramban says, that's probably what it is. It's probably the Torah demanding that we live up to accepted standards. Everybody knows that when you come close to the to the the table of the of the king or the food pat right? That's uh, from Daniel. So you, so you wash your hands. You wash your hands before you do that. Today, uh, the waiters put on gloves, right? Because why? I don't know why. I guess it looks good. Because we all know that you can't, you don't always know where your hands creep in. Like even if you wash your hands before, it's like, it's like the same halacha that Kohanim, when they shaolim la duchan in shul, when the Kohanim duchan, they wash their hands before they duchan. Why do they wash their hands? <laughs> Why do they wash their hands? I mean, we're all davening. Everybody shows davening. And you're not supposed to daven if you don't have clean hands. It's to wash your hands. Right? So, so what do you mean they're washing? They just were davening. If they could daven, why can't they do big at Kohanim? So, okay, maybe they can. But it's a little extra, like the Kohanim who came to the Beit HaVikdash. But, but the halacha, the halacha, everybody has the same problem. Everybody goes to Shul has the same problem. So it's very, you know, people wash their hands. Even though they washed in the morning. Even though you got up in the morning, you wash your hands at a bracha. But by the time you get to Shul, who knows where your hands have been creeping around. And so you wash your hands over again. The Kohanim, because they make believe Kohanim after all. So they wash their hands over again. But really... There's no need for them to do so. Let's say this. They're not any different than everybody else who's davening. Everybody else who's davening didn't wash their hands just before they said Shemot Esra. They washed their hands when they came to Shul. So if you wash your hands, so who knows what would happen by the time Shemot Esra comes around. But we don't do that. And the Kohanim do do that. Maybe because of Chutzlah, you know, the Kohanim were like a rare event. You know, uh, Duchening was like a rare thing. So they wanted to make more of a big deal out of it. You know, like... No? Yeah, you remember, like, when I remember when I was a kid, 
Well, the kid Duchening was a big deal. He used to crawl under your father's towers and like uh, be nervous about it. Somebody in Israel, you know. Like uh, every day, at least once a day, you have duchening sometimes, twice a day, three times a day. It's not like, it's very hard to get nervous and excited about the fact that the Kohanim are going to duchen. So this is what he says. Yadai maskaniyot, v'osif kad mechotza raglayim, v'avu ayot ha-kohanim mishartim yichifim. And so why did they, the Torah tells us to wash our feet, the Kohanim should wash their feet? Because they, 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 would, they would serve in the temple barefooted. And some people have really ugly feet. And so it's good to wash them off. It's good to wash them off. So this is called like the Ramban. This is called practical Ramban. So the Ramban said, why do they wash the hands and the feet? They wash their hands because they go to serve God, which is like serving a king. Why do they wash their feet? Oh, feet, you know, like sometimes you can't really look at the other person's feet. At least wash them off. So that's what the Ramban said. This is like practical Ramban. But then the Ramban adds, Valderech, this is never good enough for the Ramban. Practical, this is Valderech HaEmet. He says, what does the Kabbalah teach us? He says, listen. Bavu Adam He says, after all, the parentheses, around a created being are hands and feet. Because if you hold your hands up in the air, so your hands are the highest part of you. And your feet, of course, unless you're sitting on one of those reclining chairs, your feet are the bottom of you. So all of you is found in between your hands and your feet, it's even, even though usually your hands are lower, down. You don't usually keep your hands up like that, but you could. So he says, that's what, that's what he said. And this we know that somehow God, the body of God, is also compared to Esosphero, to the ten... Um, Sirot, what's a Sirot? Emanations. The ten emanations. So, that there was some kind of reflection of God in man that was created. So that means that if you look carefully, you can see the ten emanations, which start from your hands above and up your feet, in your feet below. Kemoshin Amub Sefer Yitzira. Sefer Yitzira is an early Kabbalistic work, which the Ramban quotes often. Right? Rabban quotes it many times in his commentary, which I guess indicates that he knew it. Sefi Yitzirah exists in, uh, in many editions, and many commentaries, but here it's the quote that's important to us. Karat lo brit bein eser etzpaot yadav uvein eser etzpaot raglav. That's the language of the Sefi Yitzirah, that the brit that was established between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Avram Avinu, that was the first covenant, 
was established between the fingers of his hands and the fingers of his feet. And what could that possibly mean? Bimilat halashon uvimilat hamaor. What's in between the hands and the, and the feet? The mouth, milat halashon, your mouth, and your sexual organs. So, if you said, what's the worst thing that we have? Or what is it that's going to get us into trouble? Right? The mouth and the sexual organs. Those are the two areas of humanity that we often cannot figure out how to control. We talk too much and we do other things too much. And, and so the, the, uh, uh, and so the Sefi Tziras said that the brit that was made between Avram Avinu and HaKadosh Baruch was a brit between the fingers of the hands and the fingers of the leg of the of the leg that's bimilat ma'or ma'or is is uh, like the word erva even though the letters are not the same but it's the same it means the same lefikach nitzavu mishatei elyon nechotz hayadayim veharaglayim and that's why the Sefer Yisrael said that the Kohanim who serve God in order to recognize the issue that we have a weakness and that we aspire to Kedusha in spite of our weakness, they were instructed to wash their hands and their feet. So they weren't instructed to wash their hands and their feet because it's a nice thing to do or it's sanitary or it's a good health policy, but it's what the Kohanim should be thinking about. What should they be thinking about? That, that even though we have the potential to be very bad, we are surrounded in ourselves, in our own bodies, by the fingers of the head and the fingers of the feet, which enable us to inspire, to aspire to greatness. And that's why it's called Kiddush Yadayim V'raglayim and it's not called Mikyong Yadayim V'raglayim it's not we're not cleaning our hands and our feet we are using them as an agent with which to aspire to Kedusha right they are they're helping us like if you focus your mind on like they say who is who am I going to speak to God who am I so I can either be like the potential for bad well, I could be the potential for good. So if I concentrate on Yadayim Vraglayim, then I, I concentrate on my potential for doing good, good things. And so he says an interesting thing, that the Chachomen said that before you daven, you should wash your hands. Even though when you get up in the morning, You've already washed your hands. So, of course, the argument is, Yadayim, as the Ramban says, Yadayim, Askaniyotem. What does that mean? So maybe you, you, you got dirty along the way. Maybe something happened on the way to Shul. You know, so you have to wash your hands again. He says, no. Said, that can't be the reason. Because if that was the reason, you would have to be Hamlet. I wash your hands all the time. Like, why wash your hands only at the beginning of davening? What happens after you say, you say, bro, anything that could happen, you should have to wash your hands over again. Because you don't know exactly what you did during the interim time. 
So he says, no, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. It's Kedushat Yadayim, the Ramban says. Kedushat Yadayim means that my hands represent for me the possibility that I will attain some level of Kedushah in this world or in davening, in tefillah. That, that's what my hands represent. That's what the Chachom said. You should wash your hands. Not because, not because they're dirty. And where did the Chachom learn this from? Where did this come from? This came from the Kohanim who had to wash their hands and their feet when they went in. Everybody knows that hands and feet have nothing to do with Tahara. Nothing to do with Tahara because if somebody is Tameh, Tahara is only produced by complete immersion. And who said complete immersion? Who brought complete immersion to the Beit HaMikdash? Apparently, Shlomo HaMelech. He said he complete immersion. So he says, if they all went complete immersion, why they still do Kiddush Adayim Raglayim? Isn't that unnecessary? Otios? What do you have to do Kiddush Adayim Raglayim? Why does, why does Shlomo, the same Shlomo HaMelech who built a Yam, which had made the apostle very Cohen to go into the mikveh. Why did he build ten kiyorim, which again, the name is every Cohen to wash his hands and his feet. Okay, you could say, you know, you could say that that's what the Torah says, you have to do it, but think about it. Why should you have to do it? If you've gone to the mikveh, so of course you had your feet, you've also gone to the mikveh. I have to go to the mikveh and leave them out. So the answer is that Kiddush Yadayim is Kedusha. And going to the mikveh is Tara. And Tara, Tara, something is completely different than Kedusha. Tara is a process of thinking, as the Ramban said, the Ramban. The Ramban says in the end of the Chod Mikvaot, says what makes a person Tahor is that he thinks himself into being Tahor. He says, of course, then we help you. The Torah says, go to a mikveh. A mikveh is something that helps with the thoughts of tahara. But it's not that the mikveh does something, according to the Rambam. The Rambam says the mikveh doesn't do anything. Mikveh just gives you the context to think properly about things. And that tumor is bad and tahara is good. But kedusha, kedusha has something to do with your greater self-awareness. This idea that there's Yadayim Raglayim, that they are the kind of parentheses of our existence. And even though there's a pair and a Ma'or, as the Ramban says, between the Yadayim and the Raglayim, we will determine what dominates our actions, whether we're dominated by Kedusha or we're dominated by something else. And certainly the Kohen, the Kohanim, in order to be Avodah, the Beit HaMikdash had to be dominated by Kedusha, but more than that, they were a symbol for everybody else that that's possible. It's possible to be that way. So that's what, that's what he said. Uh, well, one more thing I want to share with you, but before I do that, I'd like to mention that this week she is sponsored his memory of Florence Greenwald Dreisinger by her children. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, we've shared a lot of simchas together, so I'm happy to be able to dedicate the shir in the honor of Florence uh, Greenwald. If you look at the bottom of the page, it says that the shir is sponsored by Dr. Bernard and Robin Cohen, and they have uh, also the schus of 
having a, a bris this Sunday morning. Yaakov calling the son. Yaakov and Tamima. Tamima, right? Oh, Tehila. Yaakov and Tehila are making a bris on Sunday morning. So, I thought I'd mention that as well. They, uh, they all hope that uh, Dr. Cohen will make it because he also happens to be a moa. And he doesn't like anybody else doing it. So, to finish, I just wanted to leave you with a thought from the Noam Elimelech of Elimelech of Luzhensk. Elimelech was his yard site this week. Must have seen maybe not in this neighborhood, but in other neighborhoods, there are these signs up. You know, if you want to fly to Luzhensk and be there for the, for the uh, yard site, uh, call this number. You know, like that was uh, Wednesday? Well, you were once there. I was also once there, but it was not, I didn't have a good enough experience to want to go back. <laughs> So Rabbi Elimelech of Lezhensk brought Hasidus to Poland. Rabbi Elimelech of Lezhensk was a Talmud of the Magid Mimezritz. These names are only hard the first 30 or 40 times you say them. <laughs> After that, they become easy. So Rabbi Elimelech of Lezhensk was a Talmud of the Magid Mimezritz, who was a Talmud of the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov, he really couldn't do it. He couldn't get the thing going. He had two Talmudim. One of them was Rav Yaakov Yitzchak of Polno, and the other was the Magid, the great Magid of Medrich. And so in, in the way of many great people, he was smart enough, he the Baal Shem Tov, was smart enough to get the Magid of Medrich as his Talmud. The Magid of Medrich was like uh, the CEO of uh, Microsoft. So he, he like sat at a little table with a few guys. I mean, they weren't guys. They were big television. And he said to them, let's go conquer the world. You go to Germany. You go to Ukraine. You go to Russia. You go to Belarus. That's what he said. Like at this little table he was sitting and there was no reason to imagine that this could ever happen. But it did. It did happen. And uh, uh, the one who was sent to Poland was Rabbi Elimelech, who went to Luzhinsk. One of his great Talmudim was the Chosen of Lublin, and the rest of it is all in the movie. Uh, I mean, the thing, is, the thing is, history is sometimes amazing. It's not only interesting. And the history of the spread of Hasidut is absolutely amazing. You know, how, how it happened, I mean, of people, like you walk into a, not only into a town, but they walked into a country, and they said, we're taking over. They did. And they did, largely, largely in these countries that I mentioned before. The one who failed was the, uh, well, it was in Germany, they, they failed. You, know, you can't deal with the Yekis. But uh, everybody else, Everybody else was a tremendous success. So here's the, uh, here's the Noam Elimelech. The Noam, let's start from this, this is the second one. It says, Vasita Kior. You see the Noam Elimelech? It's Kior, Vakior Hu Davar Hamashpia. This is the way he looked at it. 
he says, Akiyor gives out. Because the water comes, Meirik break. It empties out the waters from the spouts. The waters in it from the spouts. And it's important to understand that the Nechoshet is part of the Hashpa'a. It's part of the effect or the influence. That the Gashmiyut, that the physicality of it, will become Kedusha and Tahara. The Kano Nechoshet. And if it's Kano, you know is Lashon Moshav. It's the, it's the foundation of it. The Yisod. The Haimish Yaseh Yisod Gamul Hashpa'ot Lashpia Yisrael Ayyadeh HaGashmiyut. That the Gashmiyut, that the physicality should have a proper influence on B'nai Yisrael. V'lechei Mitchila and that's why Moshe Rabbeinu did not want to accept the mirrors from these women. God said, take them. And he says, people don't know, and what Moshe Rabbeinu understood, that it was just a mirror. It wasn't the chait, it was something that's very far away from the chait. But people don't understand that there's a slippery slope, and, and that's what Moshe Rabbeinu did understand. It was Moshe Rabbeinu according to the normal Melech. Moshe Rabbeinu was right. He was right when he looked at those mirrors and he said, mirrors are a terrible thing. You know, the Shulchanov says that mirrors are a terrible thing. The Shulchanov, our Shulchanov. You shouldn't look into a mirror. As they state. Unless you're in a wedding, you know, these kind of, these spiderish holes, they have, instead of wallpaper, they have mirrors, wherever you are. So then you don't have to leave the wedding. He says, "Apirov chaychil hirurim b'ta'avot ha'ego ba'im ha'isha ha'meha'heret chalila b'hirurim lo tavrim v'chitzi v'Hashem itbarach shikaber mehem ki Hashem itbarach yodem achshavot shekavanot ha'ishaya b'histaklutam ba'amarot l'man yivutal mehem ha'hirurim yanashim ha'chayim." That Akarish Baruch Hu understood the women better than Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was right that when you see the women are concerned about how they look and how they, how they affect the men around them, he says, of course, that's a, that's a bad thing, the, the Noam Elimelech says. So HaKadosh Baruch said to Moshe Abedo, yeah, but not these women. These women were not thinking about other men. These women were thinking about their husbands who were distressed, depressed, frustrated, and unhappy. 
and they wanted to change that. And that's not, that's not derived from the Yetzirah. That's derived from the Yetzirah. Having children and continuing on Yisrael is an important thing. So we see, we see finally, that the Marot Hatsovot, the Marot Hatsovot say that Kedushat Am Yisrael, Kedushat Am Yisrael, just like it includes the path, right, the, 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 right, there's a path in Kedushat. Remember the Ramban said, according to the Sefer Yitzirah, that between the hands and the feet there are two bad things, your mouth and your sexual organs. So he says, we know we know that Am Yisrael has a peh, and that peh can be used for Kedusha, like Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim. That's something we do with our peh. It's not Lashon Hara, it's not Rechibut, and it is only there to enhance our faith in HaKadosh Baruch Similarly, similarly, we're, we're interested in the continuation of Am Yisrael of the halachta midrachav, of having children who also will have the, an ideology similar to ours, an ideology that is connected, an ideology that is connected to going in the way of HaKadosh Baruch So that was the lesson that HaKadosh Baruch taught Moshe Rabbeinu about the Marot HaTzavot. Moshe Rabbeinu said, television! How can you have television? I mean, it's got full of bad things. So HaKadosh Baruch said to Moshe Rabbeinu, yeah, but there are also some good things on television. And as long as you make sure that you're only going to watch the good things, you can even donate the televisions to the Beit HaMikdash. It's true. It's a, it's a trial. It's not easy to overcome all the bad that's handed out for nothing. But it can be done. And the Marot HaTzavot that the women gave to the Beit HaMikdash in order to build the, the Kiyor were Marot HaTzavot of righteousness. So that Moshe Rabbeinu said, look, I, I've heard about mirrors in my life. Bad. HaKadosh Baruch said, these mirrors are good. So you always have to make a further estimate. Not only about whether something can be used for bad, but you have to also always think to yourselves whether it could be used for good. And if it could be used for good, you have to remember that that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted Moshe Rabbeinu, Rabbeinu to emphasize. So on the one hand, Nehoshet is connected to the word Nachash, which reminds us of the sin of Adam Arishon, and that's the Azut Panim, the Chutzpah, that Moshe, that, uh, that Rashi mentions in that posset that we were Chutzpah. But uh, there's also there's also the fact that if we have proper like we we, we look carefully at your diver life and we understand that everything within that parenthesis has a potential for kedusha and we see that uh, we can do the mitzvah of sipur yitziat mitzrayim we can do the mitzvah of kriyat shema we can have families and children who follow the path that we want them to to follow. And all of that, all of that reminds us of the, the making of the original Kiyar in the Midzah. As things developed, there just wasn't enough water, so Shlomo Malach added ten more Kiyar in. And finally the Yam, which was for Tahara, right? That we distinguish between Kedusha and Tahara. Kedusha, 
is the idea that you could do what God wants you to do. Whereas Tara is a state where you can, in, in the world of the Gashmi, in the world of the physical, you can connect to the right things and stay away from the wrong things. Uh, I wish you all good Shabbos. Next week there's a shir in Chumash, Vayikra. The week after that there's a shir in Haggadah. Okay. Have a good Shabbos. So you see the Muslims, you pray, they wash their feet. Now we don't wash our feet, we just wash our hands. Right. Muslims wash their feet. Does that come from the concept of the concept? No, I imagine. I don't know. I don't know. What, but I see no reason to think it doesn't. So they, they, they concentrated on the people. Well, they came from uh, like a desert country. But not now they are, but for the last 800 years they didn't. I mean, going barefoot, what? But maybe uh, 3,000 years ago, that we've been wearing shoes ever since. So that, you know, when you wear shoes, so the dirt of the road doesn't necessarily get into your feet. But the same idea, I think, I imagine, I don't know. I mean, you have to have someone who is an expert in Islam. Across the street, right here. <laughs> I'm doing good. Um, I, I'm, I'm supposed to be in the army over, well, a month, including Pesach. It's not clear whether I'll be out, if, when, whatever. Do you have, like, next week, 10, 15 minutes, I could call you? Sure. I need to get Any time. Bunch of Shilas and I can say the Dika and Kashmir. Uh, at, at night is probably better. At night, okay. Well, yeah, give it to okay, 10 o'clock. Okay, maybe I'll, is this your current number? I don't know. Yeah, I can't see. 0 I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's my number, but if I don't answer, call me at home. Call me on my home number. You have that? That's my uh, that's my cell phone, but sometimes I turn it off. What's doing? What? To your side. To your side. I think it's. I know where I but is it significant? Yeah, I said wrong line points out. The changing realistic five times over. And all means you all change order, except number one or number two. Number yeah. two are always the same. I mean the menorah and the shulchan. Aaron and Kodesh. Aaron and Kodesh. The shulchan is always number two. What do you have to switch around? I imagine it's significant. I don't know why it's significant. I imagine. It's a shino between... It's always the answer. Always the answer to the It's the integration between the spirit and the physical. The physical. I guess. I guess. Uh, the Shulchan is a different story, I guess. Yeah, I wrote it. It's also pretty physical. It's always the candelabra. It's all physical. No, they let it rot. It's only eaten by it. It's a miraculous eating. It was, 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 no, because it's spoiled. It was bread that spoiled. Matzah doesn't spoil. 
what's happening.